0: Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My guest today is Jim Huntsinger. Jim was actually a guest back in December uh, around episode 64, where we talked about lean accounting. And we're going to do another deep dive into lean accounting today with Jim. Uh, Jim began his career as a manufacturing engineer with Toyota, and then transplanted to North America to support Toyota. And in 2005, uh, Jim founded Lean Frontiers. So if you've if you've seen any of his uh, his amazing videos, they they run tons of uh, really great summits, uh, training workshops, all kinds of of uh, great activities and events. And we'll throw some links to that in the show notes so you can go back and and uh, see all the amazing things that are happening at Lean Frontiers. But Jim also authored many books to include Lean Cost Management and Roots of Lean, Training Within Industry. So welcome to the show, Jim.
1: Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Great to be back.
0: Absolutely, it was a good conversation last time, and I thought we could take some of the topics that we talked about and maybe dive even deeper into into some of the the uh the things that we talked about in in episode sixty four uh sure. so so let's just start out for those that are maybe haven't heard uh, episode sixty four um, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with lean accounting
1: sure my my background's engineering and operations, and uh I started off coming out of school going to work for actually for a Toyota group company not because it was a Toyota group company but because it was a plant startup so I uh, in my part of the plant wasn't even built so I got the opportunity to go through the whole um, startup in machining mostly in machining and some assembly and uh, from there I went to work for Briggs & Stratton in Milwaukee Wisconsin at a time they were working on a lean implementation and that's one of the reasons they had an interest in me with the background with the Toyota group company and my machining and, um, assembly background. Um, but I got involved with the accounting cause one of the things they wanted us to do, the, the corp corporate folks wanted us to do a ROI on all these physical changes we were making to the shop. Mm. Um, and, uh, in doing that, which I really didn't have an interest in doing that cause that wasn't my background and I had plenty of other things to do, right. but I got, I had to dive down into their uh, internal accounting system to, to do the ROI on the changes we were making. And what I discovered with that was um, it was inaccurate information. Mm. Um, and it bothered me because as a, at that time, a Fortune 500 company, we based all our business decisions based off that information. So I, I found it actually quite horrifying mm-hmm. that this information we were using for decision-making was not accurate. So I really dove, tried to dive in to, you know, why, why is it inaccurate? and what would be a, a better way to derive, in, you know, internal costs in this case um, for decision making. And that led me to, uh, when I did my uh, master's degree, I took a thesis route, and uh, I because I wanted to do it on I guess what we'd call a lean accounting, sure. just because I kind of wanted to capture what I had you know, uh, learned uh, at Briggs, the research I had done on it, um, I guess the, the model, the costing model that I put together with the help of a lot of people I worked in, and one of the divisional accountants as well, I'm mm-hmm. um, really just kind of captured what I learned. Now, today we would call it value stream costing, although back then we didn't even have the term value stream, let alone value stream costing. So right. that's how I kind of got into it. And the uh, once I got done with the thesis, and I, I tapped into people like, even if you know their names now, like Ori fumi Gene Cunningham, some of the people that were the pioneers in lean accounting. Sure. Um, to help me with my thesis, and after I d- got done with that, it was like I, I've tapped into a pretty unique group of uh, people here. Um, what else? What else could we do with them and in this information? And that's kind of eventually the Lean Accounting Summit sprung out of that and eventually Lean Frontiers sprung out of that.
0: Very so that's nice of how
1: I got engaged in all this.
0: And I, and I really do want to talk about the, the Lean Accounting Summit and the Leadership Summit because those are coming up. But before we do that, so when you did your thesis with Briggs, you know, and, and I, I just have to imagine that there's so many listeners out there right now that are that are thinking to themselves after hearing what you said, they're probably thinking to themselves. I wonder if the data that I'm receiving is correct or not. Right. Um, what yeah. what did you find, you know, in, in doing your thesis and, and even just in your in your career uh, since then, even with other companies? What do you find are the reasons why the data is not correct?
1: Yeah, if they're using a traditional costing system, in most cases, the information is not accurate. Um, right. It's just it's basically the de- design of the system, although it wasn't a malicious design when it was set up sure. decades upon decades ago. But it leads to the wrong information. So what I found, that what got me going on it. There was as I, as I dove into trying to calculate their ROI, we, uh, there we had these things that they called cost per hundred sheets. And it was derived out of very traditional type of uh, calculating uh, based on you know uh, machine hours and uh, labor hours and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what tipped me off was I was working on crankshaft machining on a particular model, and uh, there's about, I don't know, 30 or 40 different variations of this crankshaft. So we had, we had a cost, line item cost, for all those different variations. Um, and as I dove in on how to calculate the cost, using the cost per hundred sheets and the way that the information was captured, I discovered that um, the one of the lowest volume versions of that particular crankshaft, um, which was just a little under 3% of the overall volume, and it was around a million of these things we produce per year, this engine model, so a million crankshafts, and then versus one of the highest volume of those of that model which is a little under 70 percent of the overall volume um, and the one at the lower volume had a bunch of extra um, processes on it mm. hardening gear shaping extra grinding and turning so expensive processes and more of them but it showed us that we produced that uh, substantially for substantially less our cost was less on that one than the one that had a pretty straight shaft and pretty easy to manufacture so I knew the information was wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me. Then I knew that was wrong. So I started asking these questions and trying to follow up on why, why in the calculation does it drive up to these wrong numbers? Mm-hmm. And through the course of time, I figured out why, which is related to, relates to the allocation process, which just does not allocate information according to the way resources are consumed in most organizations. So that's yeah. really the. The the genesis behind it, and also too the difference went with, with moving to I guess I say moving to lean. In this case, uh, we were implementing flow, so we were implementing not just flow but true one piece flow mm-hmm. versus the old departments, which were oh well, tens of thousands of p- uh, parts of work in process. So just the logistics of tracking all that on top of just the way the information was tracked and and captured in the department. It wasn't that people were they were. Capturing the information wrong in a lot of cases, not because of any again, not because of any nefarious reasons. It was just so cumbersome of all the parts, all the processes, all the people, sure. three shifts trying to do it. It was literally impossible to capture the information. Let alone the way the calculus was behind the algorithms behind calculate. It was just wrong too. Right. So you just you just ended up with this mess. So as we move to one piece flow, the physicality of the changes simplified it. Mm-hmm. So we knew these machines were dedicated to a particular product crankshaft, this particular model. We knew the people were dedicated to it because we cellularized. We knew the floor space. We even at one point thought about getting a meters like on your home because mm. we can monitor the utilities and we right. could, that. Way we can get a dead on accurate account of the utilities. We knew the tooling that went to it and everything. So just by the physicality, it became easy to track all it literally like line items, um, in a ledger, sure. And we changed originally um, when we went, as I worked with the divisional accountant on this. Um, prior to us doing this, eighty-five percent of the cost associated with you know our different components was this nebulous overhead glob hmm. that we really had no idea um, w- what made that up or what percent right. made that up. Um, and fifteen percent we knew, and a lot of that was just material costs. Okay. On the other side of doing it, we got to where 85% we knew exactly what the costs were. We knew exactly the labor, the machines associated with it, floor space, tooling, on and on and on. Um, we knew exactly what it was. Of uh, the 15% uh, was actually resources consumed. Of uh, the 15% left over, which was overhead, it was bro- in that case at uh, that company at that time, it was broken down in three components of that overhead. Uh, what we call focus factories is the term we use we call them value streams. day mm-hmm. focus factory uh, overhead divisional overhead and corporate overhead well even with those we knew the breakdown percent of those and that was very accurate mm-hmm. between those you know the the little percent that was left in corporate overhead was more nebulous but it it was such a small percent it didn't matter the other thing it allowed us to do is we could literally change any of these allocations we could do it literally on an hourly basis it became so easy we didn't have to because things were stable, but we could have. So it just gave a accurate system, easy to manage, and easy to make modifications if,
0: if they needed to be made. Right, right. That makes sense. So, I mean, for many organizations, many lean organizations, you know, they're making changes to processes probably pretty frequently. I mean, yeah. what do you think, what, what would be your recommendation to, to when, uh, you know, individuals should go back and, and even reassess, you uh, you know, after they've done a, a good—you um, know—if they, they've done a good assessment of you know what the, the costs are and what the numbers are for a particular process or an area, I mean, how often should we be going back and looking at those to make sure that they're accurate? Because again, if you, if we're if we're making improvements, if we're you know updating processes, if we're bringing in new products and and things are moving around and changing, uh, what's the frequency that we should be looking at that?
1: Um, I, I, my my answer would be, it depends, but I'll explain what I okay. mean. Um, so as we, and this should be the case, and like I said, we were truly working. We really only had one design parameter from a manufacturing standpoint, uh, at least as we made the changes, and it was one-piece flow. So whether we were looking at machine tools, layouts, people, fixturing, you name it, it was couched in that design parameter of one-piece flow. Um, so when we did that, again, as a result of that, the physicality, uh, made it self-evident when we should make those adjustments. So for example, instead of how much labor hours are put in this one uh, five-horsepower crankshaft as it processes through the department um, and all that, you you in a way, really, that's where they couldn't really track it real well. But we knew when we went to cellular manufacturing, we knew at this volume we had four people in the cell. Mm-hmm. We knew at this volume we'd have five people in the cell. So it became self-evident, in a way, and even self-tracking because we knew those five people were in there so really the only time we would have to make modifications um, to it would be if we made maybe possibly some uh, change of a machine tool sure. so okay well now we've changed out this machine tool so now we need the depreciation assigned to it but again it became much easier right. because it was dedicated to that line and it just made it, I mean, it made it it literally made it change in a line item in an Excel spreadsheet yeah. so it just was very self-evident when you had to make the changes and a lot of the changes um, We're just automatic. You know, sure. four people working to sell today; three people worked worked in there last week. So, in a way, we we didn't have to make the changes
0: they made; just made on their own accord. Very nice. Yeah, that's great. And and what would you recommend? It would be the first steps for someone that's listening, that's going. You know, what we've never done any kind of uh, analysis like that. I wonder if our you know cost, if our accounting is correct, if it's way off. Uh, what what would you say would be the first steps for someone that's that's asking that question?
1: Um, I'd say really probably two steps that need to go in some level of, of, of parallel. One is you need, to, you need to change to one piece flow as much as wherever you can and push yourself. And that leads in probably another part of the conversation is um, really truly designing for one piece flow mm-hmm. because traditionally people are doing Kaizans and that's all good. But since your existing equipment probably was not designed for that, that means you just you're stuck on some level of compromise. Sure. So you also need to start thinking anytime you introduce a new process, machine, fixturing, or what it might be, design it differently than what you've done traditionally to try to accommodate for one-piece flow. Now I know that a lot of times that's a lot easier said and done, depending on the product, the type of machines you use, and processes. But really thinking through that. Mm-hmm. The other side of it would be. Um, is really understanding how you drive your costs and sometimes it takes a lot of digging because a lot of times even the well, most of the time even if the five financial people have no idea they know how to run their their tabulations and things like that but they really don't have a clue of where those numbers come from and what's actually where you're actually pulling to get those numbers so what those numbers actually mean going back into your operations at a tangible level and that's what I was digging through trying to figure that out and I had a couple um, uh, we called them supervisors, they were foremen, I should say foremen of those departments, that knew those things and knew how they were calculated. I mean, they didn't think about it from lean terms, they just knew how to do it. So they gave me tremendous help on looking at this stuff and trying to figure out what the heck this me- means, where those numbers derived out of, what that, where that's coming from, and what they're tracking on, you know, parts and labor and machines out in the shop. And that just took me quite a while to dig through. So spending time in that just to fully understand, in this case, fully understand, what was behind why the system didn't give good information sure. and that helps you understand that, which should help you going forward with, okay, when we set up this new circumstance, I guess one piece flow, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. flow, it should make that easier to understand. It also should make you understand better why, it, why it is better, not only from the physicality of production, one piece flow, less inventory could be resp- more responsive to your, uh, Customer and better quality and all those attributes, but also through how your financial information is derived as well, and it just simplifies it. Right. You should find most time it just simplifies that ability.
0: Hello, everybody. I hate to interrupt this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. But I wanted to take a moment to introduce you to my book, Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap. And instead of you hearing from me, I'd like for you to hear from Paul Akers, author of Two Second Lean, and his thoughts around the book.
1: Lean is for 2% of the people in the world. There are an awful lot of posers out there, people that do lean because they're mandated to do it, they think it will work. But there are very few people that embrace lean with their full heart, head, and emotion to create a true lean culture. One that is not full of posers and posturing, but full of authentic lean when they have total participation from everyone in the organization. Patrick's book uncovers the essence of what those organizations look like and what the posers look like. Caution. Are you in the fake zone or the real zone?
0: Thanks so much, Paul. If you'd like to get your copy of Avoiding the Continuous Appearance Trap, you can go to Amazon or you can go to avoidcontinuousappearance.com and grab your copy there. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. No, that's great advice. Um, and there's also a ton of resources out there, too. Obviously, your, your book, uh, Lean Cost Management, is a, a great resource for people that are learning about lean accounting for the first time. And also, uh, we have Lean Leadership Week coming up here yeah. in September, uh, September 21st that week, uh, which is broken down into a couple different areas. And one of those is the Lean uh, Accounting and, and Management Summit. Can you tell us a yes. little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the the first thing we started doing, well, I guess it's now. It's been oh, seventeen or seventeen years ago. Was the Lean Accounting Summit um, derived? Actually, that, that that book you mentioned, my book, is actually that's actually my thesis put into a book form. Um, so the the case study I kind of used in there is modeled after what I went through at Briggs and Stratton. But um, so in that is there'll be you know Lean Accounting, um, and as as the Lean Accounting Summit went on for years. A lot of the subject matter that came out of that associated and also the people that would tend to attend Mm -hmm. were people involved in management. So a lot of the subject matter on management, you know, I guess better management, lean management activities, just kind of evolved in that uh, summit. So eventually we really purposely tried to develop tracks and uh, sessions that kind of addressed, the management side of things because obviously the financial aspect of an organization is well not tied, to really should be integrated with each other from the management side of it. In a sense, my whole the whole story behind how I ran into this accounting stuff originally was about that. The way we manage the business using this accounting information, that's how they tied together. We had bad accounting information using it to manage the business. So those how those evolved and eventually we changed it from lean accounting summit to lean accounting and management summit. We also had another summit, originally the Lean HR Summit, um, and we changed it just because it really became more about more than just HR, it was really about people development was at the essence of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were running those close to each other but separate summits, and a number of years back um, we were holding it in Savannah, Georgia, and we actually had to cancel and postpone it because of a hurricane. Mm. So as we reschedule it here a few weeks later after the hurricane, The venue, they only had a certain number of days available. Okay. So we just had to run them together. Sure. Finally ran them together. But the reflection we got on that was the people there for the people development said, you know, I really enjoyed one being around the accounting and management people. I learned so much from them. I sat in on some of those sessions and it was wonderful, really opened my eyes. And we got the same feedback from the, you know, accounting and management people. So going forward, we said, well, we just need to. We need to run these things together. Right. People are getting good synergy out of it. They're connecting and networking, and that, out of that, kind of developed, you know, lean management week or um, uh, lean leadership week.
0: Yeah, that's great. No, that's uh, what what a great value for you know people that are that want to attend one, but you know yeah. have the ability to to hit up the other one while they're there too. So that's and, and
1: we'll tell people to bring bring your team, bring your management yeah. team because. You know, the, the more things you can attend, the more things you guys will see in real time and can communicate just within your own organization. And, and hopefully it means you can go back and be in a better position knowledge-wise and uh, and with some parallelism between your team to make some significant changes happen.
0: Exactly. And and what we'll do is we'll throw a link to the, the registration for Lean Leadership Week uh, into the show notes. So if you are interested to bring your team to, to, to uh, Lean Leadership Week, Coming up in September, uh, you can find the link right in the show notes. Uh, one,
1: and one thing I'll add on that real quick yeah, is yeah, r- what do. we're doing this year on the on the Lean Accounting side is we're going to have a, a special track for one day where people that are new to it, um, Nick Katko, who's been a, a, you know, a thought leader, a practitioner and a thought leader in Lean Accounting and author and all that, he's going to have one track he's going to do for one day that's really just going to focus on getting people up to a, a level to understand what uh, good Good practices and how to apply it in a lean accounting
0: nice so if you yeah,
1: if somebody's wanting to really come out of it with some good working
0: knowledge um it'll be there this year oh that's a what a great opportunity for sure um let's uh let's dive into uh one other topic uh before we close to today uh lean accounting and process development how do the mm-hmm. two connect jim
1: um I guess is this it, again it kind of correlates back to what I was saying um, earlier as we started how I ran into that change um, when, I, when I was doing this years ago and so essentially if you look, if you look at just look at accounting in general particularly in, I guess it wouldn't be true just in manufacturing even in the service industry accounting should really be a reflection of what you're physically doing whether it's a service even in healthcare or manufacturing it should be a reflection of that in a way that's what you're trying to do with the accounting information we want a financial reflection of what we're actually doing to provide for our customers product and services so that's the main tie-in and that's what I ran into are do we have an accurate reflection from a financial perspective um, of what we're doing you know I discovered we weren't which was troublesome to me but you want that so the reason it ties in is since it should be an accurate reflection it's really just a truly a reflection because I guess no matter what your figures are telling you is, are you really providing a good product in a timely manner and making a good margin on it you know, mm-hmm. to your customer and all that? Sure. Um, so in in order to tie tie, really not tie them together, in order to do good um, processing, and then hopefully you have track the information. So you get a good reflection with the accounting information. You need good processes in place. Flat. I mean, if you're in a lean environment, you kind of already know that. But how do you do that? And how do you, how do you make good processes? How do you continuously improve productivity? Because really, fundamentally, that's what you're doing. Improved productivity means you're going to have improved uh, profits, improved margins, um, and doing it in a way that you're not, you know. Um, you know beating your people to do it, but doing it in a very systematic a very people orientated way, which still leads you to better productivity so um the process is tied to it because that's what the account you know when you do the accounting or costing is reflecting, but it leads back to really truly understanding how good are we are we at our processing um and really' to some degree not not even necessarily relative to your industry but relative to yourselves can you be the best in your industry and even if you are because many companies already are can you be much better in what you currently are mm-hmm. and that's where you need to get to how do we make ourselves better you know literally on a daily basis that's right and then um, cont- it's again continuously improving mm-hmm. um, and I know that's it's hard to be a little bit tangible or granular on that because every you know business and and, and uh, product and processes are different, but really getting a good grasp on on your processes. And I, that's why I will say the one piece. So that's one thing that helped us early on um, as far as a measurement. We were tying everything to are we doing one piece flow or are we not? And if we're not, how do we get there? Like I said, fixturing, tooling, machines, layout, everything. How do we get there? And it made us think about our processes much differently it made us modify you know we had a lot of existing equipment mm-hmm. that we had to use so it made us think about that differently it made us modify that um one, one example i had a we had some grinders we had some grinders that the the manuals we had on them were older were dated prior to us getting bombed in pearl harbor oh wow okay. so we we're still using them so how do i take this machine that was certainly wasn't designed for one piece flow right. and how do i make it operate in that circumstance without spending a lot of money And it took took, uh, experimentation, you know, for those with Tata and all that, we were running the experiments, Mm -hmm. but we were able to get it there. And also, too, when we bring in new equipment, how do we think about it differently? How do we design it differently? How do we work with machine tool vendors to get them to think it through differently to be able to provide that for us? And, again, a lot of experimentation, but we never found... We never found hurdles that we couldn't get get over but we had to do a lot of thinking and digging and experimentation to get there sure
0: yeah and, and speaking of kata you know some people that are listening in might be thinking oh my goodness i can't i uh, can't even imagine uh how we would get to one piece flow uh but but remember that's that's you know something that's maybe yeah. the, the the long-term uh ideal state right we we, we only yeah. need to figure out how to get to the target state so maybe you yep. say you know how do we how do we start moving lots you know uh one piece one lot at a time or or yeah. you know just think about what's that next target state and and just figure out how to get there don't worry about how to get to one piece flow right away it's, right
1: it's it's absolutely an iterative process and again in reflection back like i said this was before this is even before that when we started all this stuff is before the term lean i, I guess the machine to change the world had been published but not a lot of terminology around it but that's why we uh for whatever reason we fo- focused in on one piece flow. we just we knew that it was it was a a, a better way to process but we also knew there's a gazillion hurdles to get there and that's right. where our experimenting so we were we were kind of using i guess the improvement concept. now we weren't using it in a systematic standpoint like you see with what mike discovered and mm-hmm. articulates today but from a basic process thinking and behavioral pattern that's what we're doing we're just going through constant iterative steps running all kinds of experiments sharing it all the engineers we were sharing it with each other because we were all working on you know different projects different components different uh machining lines and assembly lines so we were trying to share all that uh as you know as best as we could and you know again in reflection it made a big difference we made a it didn't feel like at the time because it felt pretty sloppy at times, and we certainly had experiments that didn't didn't work, nor sure. that didn't work that did work. Mm-hmm. But when you reflect back the course of that time, the learning we got out of was was incredible.
0: Very nice. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, and and that's exactly what pe- what people should walk away with is is not trying don't try to figure out how to get there. Just figure out how to get take take that next step, and then and next then step. maybe you don't. Maybe you don't get where you need to be, but you but you ask yourself, what did you learn, right? And that's a yeah, success. Yeah. Yeah. What itself. did you learn? What uh, did you
1: learn? How can I how can I modify the experiment so I could run it and I think maybe be more successful the next time around?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And
1: and sometimes, like I said, sometimes it, it failed multiple times, and sometimes we'd be success, successful the first time. And a lot of times, if we were, we'd be shocked by it.
0: <laughs> sure. Right. We actually
1: expected it to fail. Right. It was like, exactly. That are we sure it really worked we need to look at it a little closer because we thought it really should have failed
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's great um so and and i've talked with a lot of people too that and i've heard that uh you know lean accounting and process development maybe have gone as far as it can go what work do you do do you think still needs to be accomplished in these areas because i think you and i are probably in agreement that that's not the case right
1: I, i i've always found this interesting in all the years i've been involved with this I think the, the area that needs the most work is processed, pro, good good flow processing process development. Um, of course, there's more organizations that could utilize the practice of lean accounting and all that. Sure. Uh, we've still got plenty more. But it's interesting because if you look, at least as it came into the U.S. or North America, um, lean or what we would call it, or Toyota Productions, it really came in through kind of Kaizen's and original, which was really about how do we try to implement flow? Mm-hmm. So coming in here really originated there, but now here we are several decades later, and I would say the most work still needs to be done in that area. If you look at the way people still process things, um, it's still very much in a batch, the way processes are designed, machines are designed, there's still a lot of batch thinking. And the idea is to ideally get completely away from that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what are the hurdles that keep you from doing that? And one thing I found um, from a process or a machine standpoint is, in most cases, new technology is not needed at all. You just need to think about the current technology differently. And I've discovered that Mm -hmm. in things like die casting, uh, foundry work, machining, certainly, and assembly, um, even laser cutting and other things like that. We don't need new technology. You just need to think about the existing technology differently. And You can do it again. Some of the hurdles are: how do you convince others? How do you get machine tool builders to think differently? But we have the technology; we just got
0: to apply it differently. That's right, absolutely. Is there anything else that you think uh, process development can impact?
1: Um, yeah, product development, because that's really um, we are talking about the fi- the financial or the accounting. Absolutely. It's really the and it, but it's really the product development, and we have there is a lot of good lean product development work that's gone along out there. Um, but it's back to the process, but that really should be done. The process and the product should be done in tandem. Absolutely. And again, when you do that, that's when you're, if you do your accounting right, the reflection becomes even much better because, you know, again, depending on the business is the biggest financial gains to be made are in that product and process development and implementing a good, good, uh, good, um, uh, I guess good flow. So if you think about if you think about Toyota, one reason they can stay ahead of their um, uh, competitors um, is they already have that embedded, and there are multiple major iterations down the road with it right. between the product development and the process development. Um, they've just been doing it in a more natural form. So if you're just starting on it, you're you know it's better than maybe some some people, but you still have a ways to go. But the better you can get to that, it's back to like all the learning I said we did, mm-hmm. it was, it, it felt very sloppy in many ways. It was, but if if I'd still be in that same place and we'd still be doing it here several decades down the road, we'd be doing it so effectively and at such a high velocity, competitors probably wouldn't have had any competitors because mm-hmm. we'd be just that much far ahead with all that knowledge and and with all those experiments behind us, you know, rolling forward. So the sooner people get started on doing that, just the more knowledge you gather. And the, you know the way the higher leverage you have with that Absolutely. experience.
0: Absolutely, uh, Jim. Jim, this has been a great discussion, and again, I think we could probably talk forever about this. I mean, we product development, we could go down a whole nother path with yeah. that. Um, but, but and we talked about the Lean Accounting Summit. W- what are some of the other uh, events or uh, resource opportunities that are available through Lean Frontiers that people can tap into? Anything yeah, um, coming up? Uh, I guess our, soon? Our next.
1: Yeah, our next coming, our up, next upcoming summit is July sixth and seventh, the Lean Coaching Summit, um, which is really, well, it's about what it says, Lean Coaching. is about how do you, you know, what are the different ways to coach people horizontally, vertically, up, down, um, yourself, all those types of things. So it's just, and that's what we want. You want a very, um, um, if you look at the different things, like I was talking about, whether it's product development, process development. You mentioned Kata. Um, TWI training with industries, Mm -hmm. all those to do well with those have absolutely have an aspect of coaching with it. Um, Even if you look at the the Toyota, um, if you look Toyota, um, they never said, "Hey, let me, we'll hire you, come in and go sit on these lean classes, and we'll then you'll go do something." It was always, "Mm, "Let's go work on a project together," and through that actual real uh, real work you'll, you'll learn how we do things. And it's all, that's, it's all coaching. You have somebody with more experience at a higher level, it helps mentor and coach you through that um, to uh, you know, just to be more successful. And then that person eventually will coach and mentor someone else. So it's about that. Sure. I guess we also have um, our skill point workshops, skill point for uh, job instruction and skill point for Toyota Kata. So, um, those we offer, you know, several times throughout the year, and they're really just they're an immersive workshop where not are you just learning job instruction or Toyota Kata, but you're practicing it through several days on actually in a real, you know, in in a real manufacturing simulator. So it's a full-scale, um, life-size manufacturing simulator to go in and learn and practice,
0: practice, practice. Yeah, I love that. I love I love seeing pictures and videos when those pop up of, the, of that that space. That's a really cool. Uh, you know, uh, value-add opportunity for people to tap into. Yeah. So, um, and they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of oh, fun, Oh, yeah, too. absolutely. Uh, where would people go to find, uh, you know, the, the the different opportunities that are out there that, that Lean Frontiers provides?
1: Yeah, just if you go to leanfrontiers.com, um, it lists out uh, uh, our summits that we have. You click on that, our workshops. And also, T you mentioned about place people go. We also have a resource page. So we have all kinds of Videos, podcasts, uh, links to articles and books on all the different subject matters. It's broken out, you know, um, per subject matter. Lean accounting, TWI, Kata, whatever it might be. Um, there we have we have online learning um, webinars that we've done, and we've done some with you. And mm-hmm. we have one coming up later this year. We're looking forward to. Yeah. So you can go and just hear um, hear practitioners and thought leaders that talk about different subject matters. So go to our website. There's lots of opportunity not only for our events or our workshops, but just a lot of opportunity of online learning and, and resources available that uh, you can utilize anytime.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks a lot, Jim. And I'll make sure that we throw uh, throw that link into the show notes again so that people can go there to to uh, find uh, your your website. And I uh, just appreciate you coming back on to the show and, and talking to us some more about uh, lean accounting and uh, looking forward to the, the upcoming summit. I hope to be out there for the uh, lean leadership week in September. So uh, I hope to see you in person. It's nice to okay, be back yeah, in person and, and seeing everybody together. And, and we, we were talking about even before we hit record about how engaging these yeah. these live workshops are now, or these live summits are now, because people are just so excited to be back together, right? Yeah.
1: Just just can't wait to get back together. So yeah, yeah and it, it's definitely reflected in that. Well, thank, thank you for having me. I always enjoy our, our conversations.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll see you in September.
1: All right. See you then.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.